Acts chapter 13, the mission continues. I could literally use that title for every message in this book. I realize how generic that title is because every point in this book, you will see somehow where the mission of God, the gospel of Christ continues, how he continues to empower his people to make his word known. In Acts 11, we'd been introduced to this church, really, the church at Antioch. And we had heard how they were reaching people. They were reaching Gentiles, really, for the first time, intentionally, they were reaching individuals for Christ. And we had seen Barnabas and how he had gone to get Saul and bring Saul down to teach for a year and disciple individuals at Antioch. But then, as Dr. Luke is reporting to us what's going on in the mission Chapter 12, he interrupts the story of Antioch and the story, if you will, of the gospel for a few moments to let us know that real difficulties exist. And he told us about the persecution of the church, and he told us about Herod Agrippa I, who claimed glory for himself and who was trying to extinguish the witness of those believers. Well, we had seen what the king, King Herod Agrippa, what he found when he came up against the king, the Lord Jesus. And we saw who was victorious. And now in Acts 13, what Dr. Luke tells us is that the mission continues. When there's just a moment of difficulty and persecution and you think things may not go well for the church, God has shown his sovereignty once again. And the mission now continues in spite of the persecution that comes. I think that's encouraging for us. I think it's encouraging for us because as we look around this world, I think we recognize that days of persecution are increasing for a lot of individuals, for a lot of believers across this globe. They are facing persecution daily. And yet what is encouraging is to know that God can take those moments of persecution and in in a way, he can allow the gospel to gain a stronger grip. It can find a, a, a fertile ground. I would even suggest to you that the church may be its strongest and may have exemplified the witness of Christ better during days of persecution than during days of prosperity. If you look at church history, there have been many days during the days of persecution where the purity of the church and the strength of the church was exemplified. And you've seen it again here. And now the mission continues. We see somehow Dr. Luke focus our attention back to Antioch. And here you truly see how Antioch becomes the hub, the central church, if you will, of that missionary activity in that first century. Notice what it says. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now this is a passage I've preached on two or three times already. Some of you have already filled up your little um, side notes with my name and the date. So you're probably looking and saying, how in the world can you preach on this again? 
But I want you to see in these verses that God develops his leaders. And the church at Antioch is really developing its leadership. It says in verse 1 that you have these individuals that have stepped up, who are teaching, who are preaching, who are sharing. Now, think, just a year or so before, you have had this church that was really just getting established. And now they are producing some of the greatest leaders that the church has seen there in Antioch. Some great, wonderful teachers and preachers. The development of leadership. Now, as I was reading through this again with a fresh eye and fresh take, hopefully, I recognized how important it is for the mission to continue for us to develop leadership. Those individuals within our church that God is gifted and God is blessed and for us to develop them by us discipling them into his image. God wants to do that. And I see him continuing to do that. I am one of these that looks at the church's life, especially the church here at Temple, and I see how God has extraordinarily blessed us with individuals who are capable of solid leadership. It's amazing, isn't it? To see how the individuals can be provided for different types of ministry. And I'm not talking about people who are like me and other ministers that I'm not talking about those of us who are just paid. I'm talking about lay leadership that God has blessed, that he is bringing up to lead different ministries and different venues within the church's life. It's amazing, the development of the church. Uh, I was sitting there this morning and uh, watching the video. Remember the Annie Armstrong video? You're still engaged at that point at the service this morning? You had not caught your hour back yet. But there in the beginning of that video, there was the personalized message from Seth Scriber that we had filmed here. Seth. See, his grandparents here, others, obviously, who have invested in that young man, to think about him just a moment. I wasn't here when he was coming up in his kindergarten years and his elementary years. I, I wasn't here for that. Many of you were. And you remember just the investment in him and his coming up and how now, look, look at this, how God has taken him and has blessed him with leadership skills but has allowed individuals to somehow invest their lives in him so that he could step up and now look what he's doing this summer going to los angeles to lead a team of perhaps 10 college students to make a difference for the kingdom that's what i that's what i'm referring to when i say leadership development do you know how important it is for every church to develop its leadership for us to see our lay leaders step up and say hey we believe God has called us to this and we want to do whatever it takes. Help us. Give us the tools we need so that we can be the people he wants us to be. You know, God wants to develop his leadership. And that's what I see here. I mean, from basically a church start through discipleship, these individuals step 
to the forefront. And they are developed. The leadership is developed. And then the leadership is sent. Not all of them, but some of them are sent. As it says, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4, it says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. They were sent. So here they were in the church, this step of discipleship, if you would, this pattern of discipleship. They were trained. They learned how to lead. And then certain individuals were sent from the church. I've mentioned this before. I'll mention this again. It's amazing they picked Saul and Barnabas. I mean, they picked Saul and Barnabas. The best they had. And they sent them. You know, when... I find out that God is going to move certain people, you know, maybe job move or some other reason that they have to go back maybe and see their family or do something else like that. And and I know that they have had such a giftedness, for example, always, you know, teaching Sunday school or maybe leading in other ways. And all of a sudden I find out they're leaving, I almost grieve for a moment. I mean, you just... You hate to lose some of your good leadership. And basically, that is our response most of the time. I mean, most of our response is, okay, what can we do? I remember at one point when I was in Zachary, Zachary was a very transitional area in some regards. You had some people that had been there for a long time, but there were a lot of transitional elements there in Zachary because you had Exxon and GP, and you'd come in, and people would do well, and before you knew it, they'd move them off. We were kind of like the pass-through sometimes. Uh, people make it to Houston. Houston, I didn't know Houston was that good. John, Houston's not that good, is it? What? But somehow it was like they were all trying to get to Houston, and we were just kind of a pass-through. They would come through, and you would see them develop, and they would be teaching and doing different things, and all of a sudden, you'd lose them. And I mean, there were days in my office, I would sit there and I would pray, Lord, don't send them. I got a few more I'd send them. You know, Lord, these are the people I'd like. But I'd love to keep them. I mean, and see what they would do, Lord. And um, so many times you will see that. But the church at Antioch, the church at Antioch was not praying that they would just keep all of their leadership. They weren't praying that God would just allow all of these people to be planted here in this one place. They actually were sensitive to the Holy Spirit and recognizing that God had called some of them out. So they listened to the Spirit of God and they sent them. They sent them on their way. So the leadership was developed and they were sent. Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, in particular, sent by God. And you know, God still does that these days. I mean, and as I said this morning, one of the most exciting things to me of being here at Temple is to know that God is developing believers. That's great. And you're seeing those 
leadership element step up, but to also know that God is calling individuals to other places. That may not be a lifetime assignment. It could be a full-time career kind of missionary that people are being called to. That's wonderful, but it may just be for a short term. Notice, notice here Saul and Barnabas, they're going to be just sent on a specific journey for a specific time. They're just being sent out. And they were the ones called to this. I remember when uh, the book Radical came out. Some of you remember that? Any of you ever read that book, Radical, by David Platt? Everybody, some of them are like, no. (laughs) But here at church, some of you weren't here at Temple back then probably, but many of you probably did and you read it. We uh, read it there at Zachary at one point. wasn't a good thing. My timing wasn't because we were building a building. <laughs> if you ever read Radical, you'll know what I'm talking about. It was probably not the smartest thing I ever did in ministry. There's some others that are up there as well. But as I was reading through it, I was challenged in many ways. I was challenged in many ways. And all of us are missionaries. I agree with that concept. Every one of us should be a missionary where we are. But not all of us are called to go overseas or even to the North American continent. Had Jerry Vines in one time. He was preaching for me. And I was talking to Jerry Vines about that book, Radical. And I said to him, I said, what do you think? How, how would you respond to this idea that, you know, all of us are called to go overseas. And he said, Acts chapter 13. And I said, what do you mean by that, Acts chapter 13? And I hated to tell him I didn't know what he was talking about at that time. I had not preached on it four times like I have here now in the last year. And I went and I read. And I realized what he was talking about. Not every one of those individuals had been called to go on this missionary journey. Saul and Barnabas had been, specifically. Some had to stay at Antioch and teach. Some had to continue to build up the church. Because get this, this is a continued process. God continues to build up his local church, leadership development, and he continues to send individuals on his mission. In other areas. It's important that you have a strong base. And it's important that you have a strong missionary effort. It's not mutually exclusive. And that's what I think some of us need to be reminded of. You can have a strong church and a strong base. And you can have a strong missionary team. Go out. Sometimes I think we, we see it as an either-or. We're either going to have a strong church, local base, or we're going to have a strong missionary team out there. It's not mutually exclusive. I believe, actually, that if you are committed to the mission of God and you are sending out people, you will see God's local church grow. If God's local church grows, then it should have a heart to reach the nations. 
and you'll see the missionary. It, it is complementary. I've had folks question me before in times when we would send out missionaries. Uh, they would look at me sometimes when I would talk about Nicaragua or maybe uh, another overseas trip, and they would say something to this effect to me. Now, Brother Reggie, you talk a lot about Nicaragua, but don't you know there's work to be done around here? Almost inferring that if you do something in Nicaragua, you can also do something here. My standard response would be something like this. Well, let's say last Sunday. I don't know about this Sunday, but last Sunday we had about 1050 here. Something like that, Loy. The numbers by Loy. Loy can always tell. 1050. Okay, so it's 1050 here last Sunday morning. Pretty much about, it's a good day, average day or so. 1050. Now, when we go to Nicaragua, we take approximately 28. That's a high number, but let's say 28 to Nicaragua. 28. They're there for a week. Let's say we have a couple of teams, but basically a week out of the year. 28 you have down there. 1050. Miss Sally, I know children are missionaries, so I don't want to discount them. But for the sake of this argument, I'm going to say we had, mm, I don't know, 100 to 150 kids or so. We'll just kind of take those 150 out. Still leaves about 900, right? 900, and then you take, let's say, 30 away from that. Now, I'm getting fuzzy here because Mississippi math doesn't work sometimes, but 870, okay? 870. 870 that you leave here. I think they should be able to do the work of this community of sharing the gospel for one week. Huh? And remember, you're only sending them for one week to Nicaragua. These people should be continually sharing. It's not an either or. That's what I'm saying. It's a very important that you are building up the local church. You cannot, you cannot somehow abandon the local church for missions. But you can't abandon missions simply for the local church. It goes hand in hand. This is a prime example. The church at Antioch was growing. And as it was growing and developing its leadership, there were people that God was calling out. And I believe we need to hear that call again in our lives. And yes, as I've said before, we shouldn't be known just for our seating capacity. We ought to be known for our sending capacity we ought to know that God is calling up individuals from Temple Baptist Church to go out into our community and to our nation and to our world to make a difference. I mean, I was truly excited this morning. First, when I went to here in the gathering, I said, well, we're down just a little bit today. But then I got to thinking how exciting this is. Why, is, why are we down? One of the reasons... It's because we've got a whole lot of college students at Panama City Beach sharing the gospel of Christ. We've got people in Miami at the BCM. They're working on construction projects right now. It is an exciting thing to know that we can be part of a church that not only develops its leadership, but it can send out to make a difference. And it can even choose its best and its brightest to go well and these individuals are empowered it says so being sent out by the holy spirit they went down to seleucia which is like a port they 
called a ship there, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Why Cyprus? Where's Barnabas from? Cyprus. There are others in Antioch from this area. So they go to that area which is natural. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Talk about that a little bit later on, maybe in the next few weeks. But basically their method would be to go where the people would listen, the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John, that's John Mark, as their assistant. And now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. So it says, here they are going off on what we will later call the first missionary journey. They're there on Cyprus. They're going about their business. They're preaching the word. And guess what happens? They run into a false prophet. And here he is identified as Bar-Jesus. Now, Jesus, as we've said before, means something like Yahweh saves. It means Savior. So Bar, meaning son, is kind of like son of the Savior. But this guy was anything but the son of a savior. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. That is, Sergius Paulus calls for Barnabas and Saul to hear the word. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, some people try to see in this a, a, a demonstration of reading or interpreting dreams. And perhaps he did. He could tell the future. According to this name, he withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So here they are. They're trying to share the faith with the proconsul. And this guy, Bar-Jesus or Illumus, he is trying to convince this proconsul away from the faith. So in other words, they're obstacles again. Obstacles. You know Satan is going to place obstacles out there. Every time the word of God goes forth, and every time it is taking root, what will Satan do? He will do everything in his power to stop it. Even using false prophets. Verse 9, then Saul. First time he's going to be introduced to us, also as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Notice he's empowered Filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember what we were told by Jesus? What he told his disciples? You stay, you wait here. What's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You receive power. Here, the Spirit of God is empowering Paul. And said, Paul said, O full, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. The false prophet was there, but yet through the power of the Spirit, the false prophet was defeated. His message was. The empowerment of this leadership. I think this is something we need to be reminded of time and time again. If we go out on mission, we go out to do what God calls us to do, 
He will give us every necessary resource to fulfill that mission. Did you hear me? He will empower you and he will empower me to do what he's called us to do. You can always count on that. Always. I remember the first time I ever really went door to door. I was up in Salt Lake City. may have shared this with a few of you, but I was in Salt Lake City at the Southern Baptist Convention. Can you imagine we Southern Baptists decided to go to Salt Lake City for our convention? We have what we usually call crossover or the crossover evangelism effort associated with our Southern Baptist Convention. I was in college at the time. I signed up with the Mississippi Baptist Convention, and a few of us went up through the evangelism department to participate in crossover. They put me out one day. Now, think of this. Here I am, a college student from North Mississippi. I really didn't know much else about religion or theology. All I knew was my King James Version of the Bible was good enough for me. And they put me out to go door to door. And I went up to that first door, and I knocked on it, and I began to pray. Lord, please don't let anybody be at home. Please. I'm honest with you. I promise you I was praying that. I was scared to death. And the door opened. And I don't remember exactly what I said. But I do remember this. When the moment came, when the time came for me to speak, God gave me every strength. He gave me every word. He gave me exactly what I needed for that moment. And I'll never forget it. And from that time, I have always been reminded that if God calls me to do something, if God calls you to do something, He will empower you. It doesn't matter what you face. Here, Paul and Barnabas. And you say, well, that's Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were flesh and blood just like us. Paul and Barnabas had concerns and they had issues just like us. But just like us, they had the Holy Spirit of God in their life to empower them and give them what they needed to overcome any obstacle, any difficulty that they would encounter. They encountered a false prophet, and yet, listen, God gave them the resources and the power to overcome. And this Illumis, this Bar-Jesus, he was even shown grace because he was blinded only for a time. Personally, I believe he was blinded in order to show his true spiritual condition. And get this, verse 12. Then the proconsul. You remember him? Sergius Paulus? He believed. When he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Many have pointed out that when Luke writes, as he specifically writes about Gentile leaders, that these Gentile leaders will always They will always find Christians innocent 
of the charges that the Jewish religious leaders will bring to them. They'll always find them innocent. And in some cases, like Sergius Paulus, they will actually accept Christ as their Savior. That's important. Because remember, Luke is writing primarily in his gospel and even here to Gentiles. And I think what he is trying to say, Luke is, is that these Christians that you're hearing about, sometimes these Jewish religious leaders are telling you that they're insurrectionists and they're trying to overthrow everything. They're not about establishing their earthly kingdom. They're about demonstrating the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the way you enter into that is through faith. And Sergius Paulus, this proconsul, he comes to faith in Christ. And God is faithful. And the mission continues. The theme, oh, how many times have you heard me say this about the book of Acts? The theme of the book of Acts, the triumph of the gospel over every barrier. Persecution. False teachers, geographical locations or barriers, the gospel goes forth. Because nothing can stand against the power and the authority of Christ. Nothing. And tonight in this place, again... As I said before, as we see the world around us and we see all of the persecution that is taking place, please know that God is giving us an even greater opportunity to stand for the truth, to promote righteousness, and to hold up the gospel of Christ. Even during these moments, the mission continues. He calls us. To develop the leadership of our church. He calls us to send out individuals. To other communities. And nations. Knowing full well. That he empowers us. To accomplish that purpose. To which he's called us. May we celebrate tonight. The mission that continues. And may we commit ourselves. To be a part of that mission. In whatever fashion. He calls us to be a part. May we commit ourselves tonight. Let's pray. Father, we do come to you, and Lord, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. That our mission, that the church's mission, it is not based upon our own strength. But Lord, it's based upon your power. And God, in these days, days in which we find ourselves concerned Lord almost frightened would you empower us by your spirit would you give us a vision to see the opportunities that are there may we overcome the false teachers and the false prophets that are out there and may we hold high the name of your son Jesus Christ God tonight help us as Temple Baptist Church 
to be faithful. To develop the leadership. To send them out. And to see your work. We pray it. In Jesus name. Amen. Would you stand? Would you come as God calls?